Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe. What's up, everybody, and welcome in to Commanding the Huddle. I am your host, Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network. And before we get in to today's episode and Commander's preview of their final preseason game against the Baltimore Ravens, this podcast is brought to you by our friends at Bet Online, who continue to be the fastest and easiest way to wager on all your favorite sports, contests, and events with first to market odds and lines. Find reviews and news for every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports, esports, and even golf. Bet Online continues to be the top online resource for all your sports information, from live in game betting, props, and futures. So head on over to Bet Online today or use your mobile device to join and make your first sports bet. Use our promo code BELIEVE50. That's B L E A V 50 to receive your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, where the game starts. All right, so let's get in to today's episode. A lot to talk about, a lot of roster moves that have been made these last few days as we sit here on this gorgeous Thursday morning, just a few days away from Washington's final week three exhibition preseason finale against the familiar... Baltimore Ravens, as Washington has played them seemingly every preseason in the last decade. But I want to start with Logan Thomas's activation from the pup list, which is outstanding news and all from all fronts for this offense, considering what he is able to do and what he will do for this offense this fall. I am not sure that we will see him at all in any capacity against the Ravens. I would not put him out there if I was Ron Rivera or Scott Turner. We saw him yesterday at practice compete in seven on seven, but we have not seen him compete in full 11 on 11 just yet. Whether that means right now that he's kind of a a big question mark for week one, I don't know about that. I think he'll be fine. And even if you get him out there for a limited workload, and you allow guys, if you look at Cole Turner and John Bates, and hopefully they're healthy for week one, getting that group healthy is going to be a massive, massive turn of events that needs to kind of favor and slide towards Washington's favor if they want to reach their performance ceiling as an offense. And Logan Thomas's health is something that we've talked about for a long time now because we've barely seen him in off-season workouts. We've seen him mostly on the side field. We've seen him on the exercise bike. We haven't seen him on the field. And following last year's nasty injury that he suffered that ended ultimately ended his season, him being healthy with Carson Wentz and his relationship that we know that he has with his tight ends within the offense is going to be crucial for him to get back to as close as he can to 100% as Washington moves in to week one against the Jaguars, week two against the Lions, week three against the Philadelphia Eagles. So moving into that first month of the season, it's going to be interesting to track how he progresses, just how smooth he looks, how fluid. We know he's got his 
outstanding hands at the intermediate to deep levels of the defense. He's going to be a major target in the red area for the offense. He's someone that, when he's on the field, makes everything easier for the guys both in the backfield, up front, and on the outside from a spacing perspective. This offense has guys that can run. And when you got guys that can run, you need spacing and you need opportunities at every single level of the defense to put defenses in different scenarios to where you have advantageous matchups for Terry McLaurin, Jahan Dotson, Curtis Samuel, Cam Sims, and your tight ends in Logan Thomas and your young boys in Turner and Bates. And then we'll see what happens with guys like Armani Rodgers and Curtis Hodges that will be on the field this week against the Ravens. More so right now with Rodgers as a sure thing with Hodges rehabbing from an injury as well. So Logan Thomas being back on the field is huge, huge for this offense. I cannot say it enough because he opens everything at every level for Carson Wentz and will not only be that security blanket, but we know when Thomas is healthy, he could be one of the most dynamic pass-catching tight ends in the NFL. So from there, I want to talk about a few of the roster moves that Washington has made over these last few days. They cut Kelvin Harmon. They placed Nathan Gary on the reserve injured list after just signing him not even a week ago, or excuse me, a little over a week ago. He played a little bit in that Panthers game and a little bit in that in that Chiefs game. But right now, you are with with Harmon, it, this is somebody that I know a lot of you out there liked. A big physical receiver out of NC State where he had the nickname of Baby Julio coming into camp in his first year. Someone that was extremely physical and someone that was a kind of a first off the bus type of guy when you guys know what you played. If you played high school ball, you played college ball, you're going into a stadium. Usually send one of you know, one of your rocked up guys, right? Guys, teams that kind of you kind of break your neck to look at as they're walking into the stadium. Kelvin Harmon was that guy. Six foot plus frame, 215, 220 plus pounds of a frame that almost looked like it was out of etched out of concrete. Um, someone that blocked his tail off on the outside, but suffered that nasty ACL injury just a few seasons back that we're really going into last year that has hampered him in this last calendar season. And it's tough when you're working behind the deep depth chart that the commanders have at that position. And ultimately, he's not released. Now, we've seen this in the past when Washington's released guys. Remember with Antonio Gandy-Golden, they brought, brought him back soon after kind of all these cuts were made and to the practice squad. And maybe he could make his way up to the active roster if some injuries were to occur and that opportunity were to present itself. But right now, Kelvin Harmon as an, an outside perimeter target, I just don't see him in this offense right now. Sure, can he block? Yes, but you have to do more than just blocking. And it's funny because last week we talked about Deami Brown and his inability right now to showcase himself as a blocker. He's a bit, a bit of a liability as a blocker. We saw it in the Chiefs game on the tunnel screen that they ran to Dax Milne in the second half. But Calvin Harmon wasn't that. Maybe he could potentially make that that conversion to the tight end spot if Washington 
has lingering injuries with Logan Thomas, Cole Turner, John Bates. We will see. Who knows? But right now, Kelvin Harmon is gone. That's another draft pick as well that is gone from this roster. Um, but I want to talk about also the addition or claiming of our old friend, Wes Martin from the Jacksonville Jaguars. Obviously, you look back over the last few years, Washington drafted Martin out of Indiana, a big, burly interior guard that wants to just take your lunch and let you know about it, put his face through your face mask and put you in the dirt. That's Wes Martin in a nutshell. And he fits that mold of Andrew Norwell, Wes Schweitzer. They're the same type of players. And who knows? As of right now, he has a chance to make this roster on the interior. They need some depth at guard. Now, again, they drafted Chris Paul, but they just put Tyler Larson on Pup, obviously alongside Chase Young. But this is a scenario to where we haven't seen much at all of Trey Turner. We saw just a few weeks ago the beginning parts of camp or later parts mostly of OTAs. But on the interior at right guard with Wes Martin has experience there, if it's Wes Schweitzer, that does have to start because this week we saw Andrew Norwell come back, who didn't play against Kansas City. We saw Charles Leno back, who didn't play against Kansas City. And we saw Schweitzer return and get his work as well. But we have not yet seen Trey Turner. He has got to get healthy. As someone that Ron Rivera and offensive line coach John Matsko have a great relationship with, and someone that is in the interior that has a handful of Pro Bowls under his belt, and still you know, before that age 30 mark where guys, you know, a little, most of the time start to head over the hill a little bit, especially on the interior where your legs start to wear on you. But considering how experienced Washington's front five is, Leno, Norwell, Rulie, Trey Turner, and then the baby of the group and Sam Cosme, if you will, as a second-year guy at right tackle, they're going to have a lot of experience up front, and Trey Turner is going to matter a ton for them to reach their ceiling up front as a front five that is one of the most veteran units in the NFL. And not just do they have experience, but they proved against the Panthers to run it down their throat a little bit. They've looked good in camp. They got a lot of guys that have a lot of NFL snaps under their belt and will make it easier. Talked about it a bunch on here, but it'll make it easier on Carson Wentz to keep his eyes up towards that second level and the third level of the defense as Chase Roulier communicates to his left and to his right and all along that offensive line of what teams are doing along that defensive front and what they're doing off the edge and making it just a little bit easier on Carson's pre-snap process to keep his eyes on the linebackers and the secondary. I would like to see this unit fully healthy. I'm interested to see kind of what a timetable is on Trey Turner's injury because week one is right around the corner. And that's where I want to go to next in a little bit of a preview of Washington's final game against Baltimore because we don't know. Again, sitting here on Thursday morning, we do not know yet what the workload or the snap amount or or how many series the starters on O and D will get. I don't know if we'll see Carson Wentz at all. It may be a series or two of Taylor Heineke and Sam Howell is going to run and take the reins of this offense 
for three and a half quarters, which is also going to give a nice evaluation period. We're probably not going to see the names of Terry McLaurin and very little of Jahan Dotson or Curtis Samuel. And I just talked about Logan Thomas. You're not going to see much of him. Who knows how much you're going to see of those names I just mentioned on the front five. But I'll tell you who who you will see. It will be Deami Brown. It will be Antonio Gibson. You'll probably see a little bit of Brian Robinson, Armani Rogers. Those types of names you're going to see a lot of. And then on the defensive side of the ball, probably you're going to keep out your veterans on the back end and Kendall Fuller, William Jackson. I would like to see Benjamin St. Juiced get some more reps as he didn't play against Carolina, got some limited work against Kansas City. I know he's been good in practice, but I want to see him on the live fire against different bodies on the NFL teams, and especially if Baltimore rolls out Tyler Huntley as someone that is a, for me, one of those tier one level backups in the NFL to where Lamar Jackson goes out and to miss any time. He could come in and not comparing him to Lamar, but someone that can holster that offensive workload and, and still allow the Ravens to compete offensively. Tyler Huntley can do that. So he's going to provide a nice evaluation period for Jack Del Rio's defense and guys are twos and threes that secondary with Colin Elder, Danny Johnson, seventh rounder out of Oklahoma State, Christian Holmes. You're going to see some work from rookie Percy Butler on the back end. I'm not sure how much we'll see of Bobby McCain or Cam Curl, but Derek Forrest, Kalik Hudson, those type of players should get a good amount of work because they need that work and they're going to have roles in this defense in week one and moving forward down the line into the 2023-2024, potentially moving on into future seasons in the Burgundy and Gold. But the Ravens have a ton of talent, rookies and veterans to look at. Obviously, you guys have heard a lot about Isaiah Likely, tight end from Coastal Carolina that has completely blown the doors off the preseason. He's going to be a dynamic target with Mark Andrews. I'm not sure how much work he'll get. Kyle Hamilton, safety the drafted at Notre Dame, was a number one player on my personal draft board and the number one overall player on our on our overall board here at the Draft Network. They drafted Travis Jones, big interior one-tech, three-tech defensive tackle that just gets after it and is as physical as anybody in this rookie class. They drafted Tyler Linderbaum within the interior on the offensive line. We will not see him as he got hurt just a few weeks ago. They have a lot of young rookie talent, and that's not even talking about David Ajabo, edge defender that they drafted out of Michigan that's going to miss time, be back in November. But this is a Baltimore team that is deep with a young, fresh legs on O and on D that is going to provide, again, a nice evaluation, a final evaluation window for Ron Rivera, Jack Del Rio, Scott Turner, general manager Martin Mayhew to sit down and when they have to make these decisions of cutting from 80 down all the way to 53. It's always so funny you look at these cut deadlines. You go from 90 to 85, 85 to 80 in these slow increments, and then 80 to 53. You got to cut 27 guys. You got to kick them out of the streets. It's amazing. It, it, it really is. 27 guys. It's hard, but it's a business. And you look at Washington's roster right now, and you think they have a lot of competition at a bunch of spots, and there's going to be some surprising cuts. And with that, there's going to be surprising cuts in other teams, where I think, especially looking back to Washington placing a guy like Nathan Gary on the reserve injured list, you're going to need someone potentially as that depth rotational linebacker that they thought that Gary would be as someone that could come in on third downs and provide them some extra pop when they're running sub packages with Jamin Davis 
and Cole Holcomber whatever they wanted to do with the second level. That's what they brought Nathan Gary in the building for. It wasn't his ability to fit in the run, which he showcased very little of in the preseason game against the Panthers. And in the past, when he was with the Eagles, we saw him a ton as kind of that hybrid linebacker, hybrid safety, where he could roll back and do some different things for you, working over running backs and tight ends. I wouldn't ask him to work over receivers, but now he's hurt and he's not even on the field. He showed up here for a couple weeks and now he's hurt. And can I help that? No, but sometimes just got to move on. Next man up. Rivera's talked about that all the time. Having that culture, that competitive nature to his roster towards next man up. Doesn't matter what your name is in the back of your jersey. Can you compete and can you produce? When you're on the field. And right now, you have Washington's linebacker spots with Jamie Davis, Cole Holcomb, David Mayo. David Mayo. David Mayo. I'm not going to go into that, but I do not want David Mayo playing 60% potentially of snaps this year rotationally. I would not be surprised for Washington to scour that cut wire, that waiver wire, for players on other teams, veterans, Second, third year guys that just weren't able to cling on to a roster spot that may have some potential, some pop still on in getting some you know, new, fresh air somewhere else. I would not be surprised if Washington adds a few guys at a few different spots, maybe at corner, at linebacker. We'll see what they do in the interior defensive line, even though Phil Mathis has looked good. They need some more depth and some more bodies in the interior. So that's something that we also have to keep an eye on as we move forward into these next week or so as teams cut down to that final 53. It's crazy, but the final week of the preseason is here. And this time next week, we're going to be about a little over a week away from the opening game against Trevor Lawrence, Doug Peterson, that revamped Jaguars offense and defense We're going to see Travis Etienne, number one overall pick, Trayvon Walker. A lot of bodies on that Jacksonville offensive defense. A lot of young bodies with a ton of pop and a ton of juice with a new voice in that headset for Trevor Lawrence. Do not overlook the Jacksonville Jaguars as you guys kind of look into their depth chart and their roster, what they've been going through in camp. They've improved. That roster is better than it was last year. And now, Trevor has that shoulder to lean on in Doug Peterson after the debacle that was the experiment of Urban Meyer last year with Lawrence as the number one overall pick in 2021. Real quick, I wanted to touch on a really cool moment for the Commanders. They announced announced yesterday was they're going to retire Sonny Jurgensen's number nine jersey. So a Commanders player in the future, no burgundy and gold athlete will never, ever wear number nine again, which is really cool. And you look back to Sonny's success. Obviously, he started with the Philadelphia Eagles way back in the 60s and then came to Washington and really was ahead of his time. It was slinging Sonny, right? We all heard of slinging Sammy Ball. Sonny could sling it as good as anybody. And someone that was almost, you know, you check out my Twitter these last few days. I posted a video of Sonny when he was playing with Philadelphia back in 1961 with a rusher in his face and throwing behind the back pass about seven, eight yards downfield on target. You know, those are things that just really didn't happen back then. He was extremely developed and 
just modern and unique as a passer at that time and someone that had the arm strength of could match up with anybody at the at the NFL level and today and from Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Sonny Jurgensen could absolutely sling it with the best of them and that's a really cool moment yesterday that the team announced that number nine will never be worn again from a Washington Commanders player so a tip of the cap to Sonny who's obviously done some great work in radio for Washington and TV over the years. I know he still lives in the Northern Virginia area. So tip of the cap to Sonny. It's a great moment for for the organization. They were even potentially talking about maybe even building a, a Sean Taylor statue in front of FedEx Field or the future stadium of the Commanders. I think that would be extremely unique, kind of adding some more things and some culture to the new stadium that they just don't have. You go to these stadiums around the other other NFL teams or any other sport, there's culture to them. Washington just does not have that. And FedEx Field, if you guys, I'm sure a lot of you have been out there, or if you haven't, it's a, a lot of it is just a concrete jungle. And you know, I'll tell you guys even a funny story when before I started working for the team and I had my first game there, uh, going to the press box. And I remember sitting there after the years of going to the games as kid as a kid, and I sat there and thought. Where even is the press box? Because you look at all the other 31 NFL stadiums and you usually look up, you see a big glass square. You see that in the middle of the field. That's okay. That's the press box. But for Washington, it's tucked away under the second bowl of seats. And it's not a modern stadium. And it's a a facility that is lower tier of college facilities. It's just really, it just really is. Um, I remember going down to the Senior Bowl this past year at South Alabama. Their facility, their press box is nicer than FedEx Fields. There has to be improvements made from a structural standpoint to where a lot of this surrounding Washington, what they're doing from Jason Wright all the way down, Sonny Jurgensen, the new mascot, the new jerseys, a potential new stadium, a new fight song. A lot of the stuff is great for the brand, but adding things like retiring Sonny's number, adding a statue of Sean Taylor, potentially getting a statue of Joe Gibbs and the Hogs out front, that's something that this community and this area will rally around and something that gets people feeling prideful, again, about this team because of the lack of success that we've seen over the last two decades since really the turn of the century and a little bit back even further. So that's going to wrap it up for today's pod. It kind of had to go in that little spiel a little bit about Jason Wright's doing such a great job of, of really building this team from the inside out off the field. And just he's just doing a great job. I really like what he's, what he's been able to do, how he's building the culture around the team and, and getting fans excited to watch the Burgundy and Gold again, both when you come to a stadium, whether you're watching them at home, and just an overall feeling surrounding this team moving into 2022 and as we move down the line. So that's going to wrap it up for today's pod. Always appreciate you guys tuning in. You can check me out, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, wherever you get your news, your sports, you can find us at. All my written work is housed at thedraftnetwork.com. You can follow me on Twitter at underscore Ryan Fowler. Again, always appreciate you guys tuning in. I hope you've had a great week. Have a great weekend. Enjoy Washington's final preseason game. Guys, we're here. 
Regular season is just on the horizon. Following Saturday's game against the Ravens, it's go time. Week one, September 11th, Commanders, Jaguars is right around the corner. Enjoy your weekend. I will talk to you guys on Sunday with a full recap of the Ravens and then going in a little bit of a preview of final cuts. What I expect, a prediction of the final 53. And then we'll talk ball and get in to the Jacksonville Jaguars in detailed matchups schematically, what I like offensively, defensively, how they can take advantage of Jacksonville as we move into week one. So thank you guys as always again. I am Ryan Fowler from the Draft Network and this is Commanding the Huddle. For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile and the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time, there's Granger, offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, clickgranger.com or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done. You know when you're listening to a true crime story that has an unbelievable plot twist that makes you stop in your tracks? That's what our podcast, People Are the Worst, brings you with each episode. I'm Rachel. And I'm Rebecca. We're identical twins who love true crime cases that make you say, didn't see that coming, and we hate the people responsible for them. Listen to People Are the Worst now on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts.